0: Welcome everyone, you are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Hey, well welcome to LifePoint Online. We are so thrilled that you are joining us, whether that's on a on a cell phone, on a computer, on an iPad, or, or or watching in front of the TV. Welcome, we're thrilled to have you here with us today. Well I gotta tell you, it's been quite a week, hasn't it? I mean, I would say this, we're in crisis now, aren't we? Things just continue to really ramp up. And I got to tell you, we face crisis before. And whether it was 9-11 or SARS or Ebola or H1N1 or many others, we have faced them before and we will face them again and again, and again. There'll be this one, and then the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And the question is, how is it that you and I, how do we face a crisis? Well, I wanna tell you. I believe the best way that we can face a crisis is together, to do that together. Now, I know it's hard to do when we're not physically present with each other, but we can do that in new and creative ways. See, no matter what is happening, we, the church, is always available. We're the last line of defense for the hurting. We are a place for where people go when they need help and when they need hope and when they're hurting. No matter where you are physically, it doesn't change the fact that we are the church and we will be here and we will be available to the world. You know, as I read the headlines and I watch the news, it is scary And I gotta tell you, the news will get worse before it gets better. But I want you to hold on to something. I want you to hold on that the same God who was faithful to you back a couple months ago is the same God who will be faithful today. And even though you and I can hold on to that truth, there still is this element of fear that we're in fearful times. So how is it that you and I can have faith in these fearful times? How can I have faith? How can you have faith in these fearful times? How do Christians act and how do Christians react? Well, that's what we want to talk about today, and what I want to do is I want to look at a classic passage, Psalm 23. We're going to look at that together. You can open your Bibles now to Psalm 23, or you can go onto your phones to the Version Bible app. There in the Version Bible app, you can track along with us. Our notes are in there, and you can also uh, take your own notes and add to them and save those for later and, and be encouraged later in the week. So let's pick this up together. In Psalm chapter 23, we're going to actually jump ahead to verse 4. And it says this, and this is uh, David saying this. He says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are what? What does it say? You are close beside me. See, David realized that he was going to go through some difficult things. And David knew what it was like. He knew what it was like to lose a child. He knew what it was like to be, uh, you know, to live in caves and be hunted for his life. He knew what it was like to have unfaithfulness destroy his relationships. He knew what it was like to live with the pain and the guilt of that in his life. And he says here, what does he say? I walked through the darkest valley. Some translations say, Valley of the Shadow of Death. That literally means the shadowest of the shadows. David says, even though I am in the shadowest of shadows. What does he say? He says, I will not be afraid. Why? Because God is close to me. David knew that he was not alone. And notice how David describes God here in Psalm chapter 23, verse 1. He says, the Lord is my what? What is he? You know this. Many of you know this verse. The Lord is my shepherd. God is our shepherd. Now, David himself had been a shepherd. And what's interesting is there have been books written the last few thousand years. They've been written by shepherds to give us an insight into the shepherd-sheep relationship. One author said it this way. They, They said this, Sheep are notorious creatures of habit. They will follow the same trail until it turns into ruts. They will graze the same hills until it becomes desert waste. They will pollute the ground until it is corrupt with disease and parasites. You see, sheep are not proactive. Sheep are followers. So much so that if sheep are walking and the the first one goes off the cliff, what do the next sheep do? They go off the cliff as well. and, And they just continue to follow the person or the sheep in front of them. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm in that line and all of a sudden I see everybody, but then the next moment I don't see anybody, I'm thinking... There was no sheep who ever says, whoa, I'm stopping. I, that's it. I'm not going over. It's interesting that you and I are called sheep in the Bible. God's our shepherd, but we're sheep. I, I'm not so sure that's a compliment. Da, uh, Psalm chapter 23, verse 1, David, who is a shepherd, he said, this, since God is my shepherd, notice what it says. He says, I have all that I want, all that I need. Now, it doesn't feel for some of us that we have all that we need right now, right? I mean, I'm out of toilet paper. I don't know about you. Psalm 23, verse 2. He lets me, and what's the word? He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides uh, peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. It's interesting. But David in this passage doesn't assume that he won't go through hard times. David doesn't have the mentality that says, hey, if I have a relationship with God, man, life's going to be great. Life's going to be easy. I'm not going to have any problems or complications. God's going to provide for all of my wants. No, 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 no. David understands that we live in a fallen and thus broken world. He understands that there are problems and that there are issues. Issues like famine, disease, viruses, uh, joblessness, homelessness. The Bible doesn't tell us we won't have issues or face face issues. The Bible tells us and reminds us that God will be with us, that God will be close. He'll be with us in the middle of the valley. He'll be with us in the middle of the storm. He'll be with us in the middle of the chaos. He'll be with us in the middle of the coronavirus. And while we are in the midst of the shadow of shadowists, don't forget what God did when you were in the light. David didn't forget that. David didn't forget that he would be there again. And that's why he's able to say, jump ahead to Psalm chapter 23, verse six, where David says, so therefore surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. So how is it? that you and I, what do we do? How do we wake up to the God's goodness in our life in these fearful times? Look at what the passage says. How do we wake up to the unfailing love of God in the midst of the shadowest of shadows? Well, there's a couple ways for that to happen I want to talk about with you this morning. And the first is this, is that you and I, we need to feed our faith We need to feed our faith. If you will choose to feed your faith, that's how you starve your fears. But if you're gonna feed your fears, you'll end up starving your faith. I'm sure you've heard the saying, you are what you eat. But it's the same thing spiritually. We gotta feed our faith in this time and and not just feed our fears. For me, if I just start watching the news right now and, and I start get immersed in it and I soak in it, All that does is feed my fears. And you got to feed your faith right now. I have to feed my faith right now. This is a great, great season to, for example, go and listen to some of our previous messages. Maybe you didn't hear them all, or maybe you did, and you need to re-listen. This is a great time to, to worship God through song, so listen to worship music. This is a great time to be in the Word of God more than ever before. And it's a great time to be in prayer. This is a time if you want to feed your faith, then man, we want to be in prayer. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this. It says, don't worry or don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Now listen, the Apostle Paul was actually in jail when he wrote these words. He certainly had reason to worry and, and be anxious, but no. A guy who was in jail, he said, "Don't worry. Don't be anxious and pray. Pray about everything. Pray about where you go, pray about what you do, pray about every decision you make, pray about what you're going to be doing with your time. Pray about everything." And in the next verse, verse 7, I want you to notice what happens when you and I pray. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 it says this, "Then you will experience God's what? God's peace." You experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And when you and I pray about everything, God's peace will come and God's peace will carry us through. It's going to guard our hearts and our minds. And listen, God answers our prayers. I heard the story about a pastor who was getting ready to go to work and he went out to his car and he heard this cat meowing and he could tell that it was, you know, he heard it and he realized it was up in a tree. And so, so the pastor says, I got to get that cat down. And so the pastor begins to climb up the tree and he just can't quite reach the cat and it's meowing. He, he could tell that the cat just wants to come down and it's afraid and, and so he comes with an idea, he goes to his garage, grabs a rope, takes the rope, ties it to the top of the tree and then takes the other side of the rope and ties it to the bumper of his car. And and he gets in his car and he begins to slowly drive away, bringing the top of the tree down. And as the top of the tree came down and got low enough, the pastor put his car uh, in park. He stepped out of his car and right as he stepped out of his car, snap, the rope breaks. And the rope breaks and all of a sudden this cat is flying through the air and the pastor's like, oh my goodness. And the pastor just starts praying. He's like, God, God, help this cat. God, save this cat. God, be with this pet cat. Let it land safely. You know, he's just praying to God. Well, he goes around the house and and tries to look and tries to find that cat and he can't find the cat anywhere. Well, a couple days later, he's in the grocery store and he sees a, a lady in the grocery store, actually one of his neighbors, a couple houses over, and, and, and he sees her and he notices in her shopping cart that she has cat food. And, and, and he goes up to her and he knows that she hates cats. And so he asks her, why do you have this cat food? He's like, what's the deal? And she says, well... I gotta tell you, my daughter uh, has wanted a cat for years and years and, and I hate cats and I don't want her to have a cat. And so uh, pastor, I, I hate to confess this to you, but, but but I said, I told her, you know what? Honey, go in the backyard and and, and and pray. And and if you pray, and if God wants you to have a cat, he will give you a cat. And, and pastor, I gotta tell you, I told her to do that. And, and I'm sorry to confess this, I told her to do that because I was like, there's no way God's answering that prayer, you know? She's just praying in the backyard. So my little seven-year-old girl, she's in the backyard and she's down on her knees and she's praying, God, give me a cat, give me a cat. Jesus, please, I so badly want a cat. And as she's praying and she says amen and And she looks up and all of a sudden a cat is flying through the air and lands in her sandbox safely. And now the lady's like, I got a cat. God answers prayers. Well, this past Sunday, our president called for a national day of prayer. As Christians, more than ever, we should be calling out to almighty God right now, asking for God's leading and protection and divine intervention. So let's pray. Let's pray for anyone who has the virus. Let's pray for our medical professionals. Let's pray for people who have lost their jobs or are getting ready, likely to lose their jobs. You know who else you can pray for? 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 says this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. And Notice what it says in verse 2 it says, pray this way for who? For kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. Right now, you and I even need to be praying for our leaders. We need to be praying for our president. We need to be praying for our vice President. He's been put in charge of the task force uh, to, to tackle this coronavirus. We need to be praying for his team. You and I need to be praying for our governor and for our city and county officials. You know what? We also need to be praying for our local police and fire uh, uh, people who are, are protecting us and helping us. The Bible says, First Corinthians, excuse me, First Thessalonians chapter five, to pray without ceasing. So how about every single day this week, every day that if you have a family, you gather your family. If you don't have a family, jump on a line or or, or on Facebook or something and, and you pray together. Pray for our leaders. Pray for their protection. Pray for their wisdom to lead and guide us. Pray for your church family. Pray for your friends. Pray for your neighbors. Again, pray for medical professionals. Just pray. And God and this is important. God would never tell you to do something that he wasn't ready ready and prepared to do something about. God wasn't, wouldn't ask you to pray if he didn't want to move on your behalf. God wants to answer prayers. Prayer changes things. It was back in World War II that 300,000 Allied troops were about to be destroyed by the Nazis. Their only possible escape was across the English Channel, So they all funneled into the city of Dunkirk, which was on the northeast shores of France. Recently, Christopher Nolan made a movie called Dunkirk about this story, but he left out the actual miracle part of the story. Well, British monarch King George called for a national day of prayer. The churches were full, they were packed with believers praying, including tens of thousands of people who couldn't get into the church doors, but were around the church for blocks and blocks because they had come to pray. Well, as they began to pray, the miracles began to happen. The first miracle that historians to this day cannot explain, Hitler all of a sudden stopped his offensive. And as England was praying without ceasing constantly for three days, Hitler's troops did not move forward. Well, there was another miracle. A weather front moved in miraculously, making it impossible for the Nazis to attack and move forward. Additionally, a, a breeze came in that seemed to collect all the smoke from the, the German bombs and, and it blew over the sky, over the area where all the troops were being loaded into boats. And then finally, once they were loaded in, the always rough and choppy English Channel it was smooth as glass, barely had a ripple, which helped that armada of, armada of random boats and vessels to to get those 300,000 soldiers over to England. It's why they call it the Dunkirk miracle. Because people paused and people prayed. Don't miss it. God wants to move and God wants to act when we pray. Now wouldn't you agree we need a miracle? Wouldn't you agree with me? We need a coronavirus miracle. So let's start praying to God. Let's ask God to intervene. Let's ask God to slow and even halt the spread of the virus here and around the world. How is it that you and I wake up to God in these fearful times? How do we feed our faith and starve our fears? Be in prayer, knowing God hears and answers our prayers. See, that's who our good shepherd is. So let's recognize and let's trust that God wants to meet our needs. Notice he goes on, he says, Psalm thirty twenty three. he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I want, all that I need. I don't know what your fiscal plans or savings plans were for 2020, but I'm pretty sure those plans have now changed. And I know that can be a very, very real fear for some of you who are watching this right now. But listen, you and I, we can keep trusting God and trusting that he's going to provide for our needs. And perhaps in this season, God's gonna provide for your needs and my needs in different ways or in ways that we would have never have imagined, which I'm gonna talk about in a moment. But God provides for our needs. And what's one of the things that I need right now, that you need right now? Look at verse two. He lets me, what's the word? He lets me rest in green, shadow, in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. You and I need rest. I know we might be at home right now, but we need rest in our soul and in our spirit. Author Philip Keller says this about sheep. He says, as long as sheep are afraid or there is friction, they, uh, friction, they will not lie down they won't risk resting. Have you been there? Have you been so uh, worked up and have you been so afraid or has there been so much friction in your life that you can't shut down your mind? That you're maybe right now so consumed with all that is happening that there's this fear inside of you and, and when there's fear inside of you and me, we have a hard time resting. Keller says this, What is it that gives sheep the assurance they can rest? It's when their shepherd is close by. He goes on and says, sheep grow confident in the presence of a shepherd. David said about God, he said that God is our good shepherd. David said, I have a good shepherd so I can rest. Psalm 139 says, you are all around me, God, on every side. You protect me with with your power. And you can feed your faith and you can starve your fears because you have a shepherd who's close by, who's with you so that you can rest and he will meet your needs. You know, in ancient Rome, there were a few different plagues and viruses and diseases that devastated the empire at various stages. Rodney Stark wrote in his book, The Rise of Christianity, he said this, Christians, when these, when these viruses and plagues came, Christians stayed in the afflicted cities when pagan leaders left, including physicians who also fled. Man, when people got sick, for those who did say when people got sick, those sick people would be dumped in the streets or discarded outside the city walls and they were left to die. But you know who it was that did something about it? It was the Christians, It was the followers of Jesus who came in and they took care of the sick and they nursed them back to health. Now, here's what's interesting. Before the plagues, Christians in each of these different time periods, Christians were being persecuted. But it was the way that these Christians handled a crisis that changed the perceptions of the Romans toward the Christians. Everyone else ran away but it was the Christians who stayed. It was the Christians who stood up and helped and served even when it cost them something. It was the followers of Jesus who they loved and that became contagious. Eventually it changed the empire. So how are we gonna handle a crisis? As I mentioned, sometimes the way God provides is different than we're used to. And I gotta tell you, I see in this season, God providing through his people in in new ways and in fresh ways and in ways like never before. So how about you and I? How about we give more instead of hoarding? Let's give instead of hoarding. I mean, people are going crazy right now with the hoarding. What is up with the hoarding? Last week, I mentioned in our message, mighty God, that, that I mentioned my dad. And you know, my dad, he just had a thing with toilet paper. He just did. He was the original toilet paper hoarder long before the coronavirus came about. In fact, it took my mom, are you ready for this? It took my mom 10 years to get through all the toilet paper he had bought after he died. No joke, 10 years. His stockpile could have provided our whole church. So... There's one thing I learned about Costco toilet paper from my dad's hoarding, very important lesson. You ready for this? You might want to write this down. Costco toilet paper can last for at least 10 years. (laughs) I think it's funny. I don't know if you're laughing right now, but I think it's funny. But right now, I mean, come on, people are hoarding. And it's good to take care of yourself. We need to do that in your family, but we got to be careful not to lose sight of what God has called us to as his people. We're called to be generous. We're called to give. God wants to use us to provide for others. So let's do that. Let's give and not hoard. Let's give of our time, for example. Let's help those who can't leave their home. Let's go get groceries for those who can or run errands for those who can't. I gotta tell you, I love this church family. And this week, many of you have just been sending in emails and asking, how can we help? How can we help those who need to be helped? If you're willing to help, here's what you can do. You can go to our webpage or the Church Center app. And on the front page of our, of our website or our, our, the Church Center to app, there's a tab and it says this, get help or give help. And you can go on there and you can find that also in the Church Center app and you click on that and follow the directions and if you wanna give help, you put your name and info in there and we'll try to connect you for those who need help. Also, that same tab, if you need help, let us know. and We're gonna try to do our best to help you out. Follow that same tab. Now, I, I have to say, of course, with the daily changing recommendations and directives from government officials, we understand that our ability to help may have certain restrictions and limitations, but we really wanna do whatever it is that we can do to help others. I've also heard there's a shortage of blood, and so maybe figuring out how to give blood in this time is a way to help. Also, there's families that you know or in our church or friends or neighbors who are losing their job or has lost their jobs. Man, you can give financially to others. In fact, I would say this. If you are not really, you know, as far as paycheck, if you're not impacted by what is happening, wouldn't you agree with me right now that you're blessed? If you know your paycheck's gonna continue to come through, wouldn't you agree that you are blessed? And if you are blessed, what does that mean? It means if you are ble- you're blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. Again, the way that those first Christians handled their crisis was what changed the perceptions of the Romans towards the Christians. So, how about you and I, Jesus followers? How about we let our light shine? God has called us to do that so that God can use us to make a difference. This season, instead of just uh, serving ourselves and preserving ourselves, how about we serve others? Philippians chapter two says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others also. Don't just take care of you. Man, take care of others as well. Take care of each other. Let's be sacrificial and not selfish. Uh, You know, we have this ministry. It's an incredible ministry. It's called the Gift of Groceries. And we have people who pick up food from Raleigh's on Elk Grove Boulevard and Franklin Boulevard. They pick up food every single day. Here from LifePoint, 365 days a year, they go pick that food up, they deliver it to our our partner ministry, uh, New Hope Church in the Pocket Meadowview area. The gift of groceries, uh, as we just found out today, because a lot of things are changing, uh, or I should say a couple days ago, we found out that it's an emergency needs service. And it's allowed to continue during this shelter-in-place time. Here's the reality, though. Most of those here at LifePoint who faithfully serve in that ministry are 65 years of age or older. And we know that those who are, a lot of us are now uh, sheltering in place, but especially those who are 65 years and older, they've been asked not to leave their house at all. So I think one of the ways that you and I can serve those who have served faithfully is to draw alongside and to fill in for them, to pick up those groceries from Raley's on Elk Grove Boulevard, take them over to New Hope Church in in Meadowview. It's a way to serve the gift of groceries ministry. Man, seriously, this is a desperate time. And I believe it's going to get worse. And we need to care for people, especially because half the food banks have already closed. But people still need food. We received this uh, note from Ed uh, Connor, who's the director of the Gift of Groceries. He said this about us, about LifePoint. LifePoint is literally the lifeline that keeps this program alive. Man, we are needed right now more than ever before. So once again, if you're willing to help, go to our webpage or go to the Church Center app and go to the get help, give, or need, or get, go to the Get Help, Give Help tab. Get help, give help. Yeah, that's a tongue twister. Try saying that right now. Go for it. Get help, give help. Get help, give help. Even though we've all been directed to stay at home, there's things we can do. As we said, you can pray. You can, you can pray for people Maybe you say, you know what I want to start doing? I want to start writing devotionals for our church family. And you say, that's that's something that you want to do. If that's the case, let us know. Go click that tab and say, I'm going to start writing these. And maybe we can post those for our church family. There's so many ways to serve others. God will meet our needs. He'll meet your needs. We will meet each other's needs and we will help to do the best that we can in this season to meet the needs of our community. Man, and if you and I do that way, if we do that selflessly, if we do that just trusting God fiercely, God will use it to point people to Him. God will use that to fill people with the hope that they need, with the love that they need, and the peace that they need during these times of fear. So let's remember God is our shepherd. He has our back. He'll meet our needs. So let's feed our faith. Let's pray and let's give and let's serve others so that God can use us to meet other people's needs. And in doing that, we won't be feeding our fears because remember, fear is contagious, but so is faith. Fear is contagious, but so is faith. You see, fear says to you and I, it'll never work. Faith says, is anything too hard for God? Fear says, forget about others. Let's protect our own. But faith says, don't get tired of doing what is good because at the right time, God's going to bring a harvest of blessing. Fear says, hey, I don't know. There's not going to be enough. Faith says, God will provide for all my needs. Fear says, I'm paralyzed. But faith says, I'm empowered. Fear says, I'm alone, but faith says, I'm never alone. Fear says, I've been abandoned. God has abandoned me. Faith says, God is always with me. We're his kids. Fear says, look at the size of all these problems. Faith says, look at the size of my God. Fear says, look what's bound to happen. But faith says, the best is yet to come. Fear says, I I just don't know if I can handle this. But faith says, the Lord himself will be with me. He will not abandon me. Fear says, I'm not up for the challenge. Faith says, God himself will draw alongside of me. God himself will fight for me. His right arm will protect me and hold me up. Fear says, God brought me here to die in the darkest of valleys. Faith says, God has not brought me here. God has not brought me this far to just leave me here. Fear is contagious, but man, so is faith. So how about you and I today, this week, how about we feed our faith? How about we starve our fear in these uncertain times? Feed your faith, starve your fears in these uncertain times. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to pray with me. And there might be some of you here who are listening to this, who are watching this. And you know inside there's just a lot of fear going on. And and for you, you've never crossed the line of faith and put your hope and trust in Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. And how do you do that? Well, there's a couple ways you do that. But the simple way that we describe it is you invite Jesus into your life that you would be born again. And when you invite Jesus into your life, He will come and He will live in your heart and and He will forgive you of your sins and you will experience eternal life. And you will have the peace for whatever storm you are facing, whatever you are going through, and you will have the absolute assurance that you are going to heaven when you die. So if you don't know for certain where you're going to go when you do die, you can have that certainty. You pray and you surrender your life to Jesus. Are you ready to do it? Let's pray together. If you want Jesus to come into your life, if you want to go to heaven when you die, would you pray this prayer with me right now? Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and that you're my Savior. You died for my sins, so Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Thank you for giving me this new life. Now, Jesus, fill me with your peace and your love and your joy. Help me, Jesus, in these difficult times. I ask for this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. And if you just prayed that, we want to rejoice with you. And we want to know that you prayed that. If you did, you can go under our webpage onto our online connection card. We would love for you to fill that out. Give us some of your information. Let us know that you prayed that. Let us know how we can pray for you. And we as a church, as a staff, we will follow up with you. And we want to rejoice with you for making that decision to follow Christ. Well, I want to encourage you next week. Come on back and join me as we continue to look at some important topics in these uncertain times. I'll see you next week. Take care. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.